I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Outer Sanctum would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, which is the lands of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. For me personally, I'm in Ballarat. Ballarat is a Wathorong word meaning resting place, but I tell you what, Mars Stadium in the dying seconds of the footy yesterday was no resting place. Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. No, it was it was because we didn't say Derby. It was Derby. It was because it was the Derby and we wouldn't say Derby or Derby. But it's the Derby. Yeah, that's right. But we have to get corrected <coughs> okay. on stuff. Because... Okay, Derby, 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 Derby. Now say tribunal. <laughs> tribunal. <laughs> tribunal. Tribunal. No. Tribunal. 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 <laughs> what about Showdown? Showdown. Showdown. Nicole, oh what do God. the players wear? Do they wear <laughs> jerseys? Oh, or a Guernsey. Can we just say jumper? Jersey. Jumpers. Jerseys. They wear their old jersey. <laughs> All right. Let's put your jersey on because we're going to have to roll up our sleeves later. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race and I'm joined by my football-loving Sanctum siblings. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, Nicole Hayes here. Hello, Tess Armstrong here and thanks to listener Gareth for the homework (laughs) because there was a mysterious leaving out of Derby last week on the pod, but not today. Not today. We jumped right in. Mad Monday came and went for the cats, and yet here we still are talking about football. We started this season, the first pod that we did this season was January 5. This is the longest season of our lives. And all I can think is if we feel like this, imagine people who actually work in football. They must be people with real jobs. I'm so tired of football, even though, of course, my Hawks girls are giving me just like the greatest pleasures of my life. But I'm, it's like I'm like Lady Pac-Man or whatever. <laughs> That's so bad. But my power packs are just like little mini footballs are just depleting. And now all I can literally do is I'm crawling to the line and I just scratch around in the chicken feed of of Hawthorne, good Hawthorne women's news is what's feeding me and keeping me going. And your lady pack bow looks beautiful today. Thank you. She Thank used you. to have a glorious bow. She did. Chomp, chomp. I always wanted her to be able to go just a little bit faster than Megman. <laughs> And that is how feminism got started. There's been some huge highlights in the AFLW this week. I cannot 
oh my goodness, some of these games have been absolute hair raisers. Tess, you alluded to one at the start, but Nicole, I'm going to come to you first. What have been your highlights? Okay, this is where we all say, can we have three? But I'll, I, I was going to go <laughs> yes, show you. Yes, I grant you three highlights. <laughs> three wishes. <Bing. laughs> um, I want all the highlights. That's my first wish. It's very hard to go past the, sh- the shout out <laughs> with Chelsea Randall on actual fire, like literally girl on fire stuff uh, with her all round brilliance and athleticism, etc. 27 disposals, seven clearances, three goals, sh- shout out medal. And also just a classy speech at the end. Like, is she, what can't she do? Nothing. Is there a thing? Can you tell me a thing she can't do? And when she tugged her Adelaide jumper, I thought, I love Adelaide. I thought, what is happening? <laughs> she does that to you. I've also watched her renovate a caravan and a house. <laughs> I, would, I, would watch, I would watch her if she was the only person on Big Brother. I yeah. watch every minute of that show. She uh, she certainly uh, set the world on fire at the show, at the showdown. But can I also have a little moment to enjoy the Hawks because Jess Duffin mm. having I don't know was it one thousand four hundred three million days that she wasn't playing and she's <laughs> come back now kicked three goals had 12 disposals but also just like the shift at hall at the in the team when she was moved down in that second quarter to the forward line and the complete kind of reversal for Hawthorne clearly the genius of Beck Goddard at work there but also knowing having faith in Jess to be able to deliver you know West Coast are really like got off really fast and did had a very impressive first quarter they fought back and really they missed their chances they almost managed to to kind of nail it right at the end but the Hawks held on and gave us yet well you know I think we probably need a minute or two of joy every now and then and that was absolutely wonderful. Jess Duffin's grabs to be able to kick those goals were all in my mind pure breadbasket. it doesn't Mm. matter that she was about (laughs) half the height of all of the other people going up for those marks they just went straight into the breadbasket, and I thought it every time every single time I don't know if they were talking about that on the coverage because I was busy in the outer in Frankston shoving a hamburger in my face which you couldn't see on the coverage because we were standing right behind where Tegan took a mark and was going for goal. So note to future self, don't need a hamburger while Tegan's on going camera. for goal. <laughs> Did you have another one as well, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I have to say the Muala um, Lawifi and Cora Staunton battle, uh, GWS v, v Carlton, was epic. Uh, the, each of them got a guy, you know, obviously the Final outcome, Cora probably won the scoreboard being the um, final decider. But um, each of them had these awesome, like, rundown tackles. They really kept each other in check for a lot of the game. And, you know, they each they had glimpses of their own genius while still being able to sort of keep the other one quiet. So I got enormous joy out of seeing that. And it's one of my favourite parts of the game is the tackle. I know it's not as pretty as a specky or, you know, the snap goal, but I love a great tackle and those two put on a masterclass of it basically. I feel like the tackle is what I've, I think I've said this before about taking marks actually in hangers, but I feel like the tackle is what defines this game. Every time you think you know this game so well, you then remember that you can go and get your own ball by doing this one act. I really love it as part of the game and I think that we're seeing it executed really well this season. It has actually been a game turner and so for players who will maybe never kick a goal because they're defenders or, you know, they're defensive midfielders or whatever, the fact that they are laying these hard tackles, which have been really well coached and we're seeing less injuries coming out of tackles than we did Mm -hmm. in season one, it's such a beautiful part of this game. I think footy is the perfect game. 
and then I remember Survivor and I go, oh, it's somewhere Close. between Survivor or <laughs> somewhere between Survivor or Aussie Rules. Tess, what were your highlights? Obviously typical tropical Ballarat. Put on a weather show. It's renowned for its good weather and yesterday was no no exception. It was a great game, dogs and cats, a traditional battle of the animals and so I really enjoyed getting that in my hometown. The cats were just awesome. They have been seriously impressing me mm. this season, huge improvements, but the dogs never gave up and you could just tell at three-quarter time it wasn't over till it was over and the dogs kept pushing, pushing, pushing. We went and saw, by the way, Jonathan Van Ness during the week and they talked about duality. There was no more duality than the final siren where they celebrated <laughs> a goal that lost them the game by a point. It was hugely oh. weird. And I also have to talk about, so a few weeks ago in the pod, Paddy tipped the grand final winner. Emphatically, I might mm. add, he was really, he was a seer. He said, go Cats, so many times I thought, oh, they're a shoe in and they were. Yesterday at the footy unprompted, he said, go Cats, Uh-oh. a lot, which was very upsetting to me because mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, that was a one-time thing for the grand final. <laughs> Stop it, pull it back. Let you have your fun. <laughs> I'll let you have your fun. But then when there was the old G-long, G-long, he did a G-long. I thought, oh, that's just hang how it on. starts, Tess. Yep. So the this whole way home was all tiger talk, go tigers, roaring, mm-hmm. a lot of carry on to try and pull it back. But that's something that I'm going to have to watch and I'll update you all as it goes along. Please My see. second highlight had to be Emily Goodsear playing for GWS seven months after giving birth to her son. I thought I was beyond like too old for getting into like Marvel or Avengers or superheroes, but turns out I'm not because she is a superhero to me. And watching her yesterday was actually inspirational to me. I just thought you are an absolute legend. Um, And so huge highlight and just GWS generally speaking, unreal, Mm. unreal Mm. win, turning it around from the week before, huge for their belief, so good on them. And speaking of superheroes, Amelia Yassir from the Tigers. Um, The (laughs) Tigers won four on the trot. We are playing great footy. I'm very proud of us. And yesterday when we were down, I was just so impressed by Amelia's energy. She was just relentless. She was always there creating those turnovers, tackling, putting in what they would call in footy, 110%. And so for her to then win the game with a goal was very fitting. And then in the post-game interview, if people didn't see it with Bryony Dawson, she was staring down the barrel of the camera, which was just hugely, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to run through a wall for this person. I felt like she was talking directly to me about the win. Go Tigers. I love it when they grab the microphone. I would have loved to have seen like, that. Out of my way. How great to see KB back on the on the field too. So good. Yeah. Within a second. And also she kicked it. Absolute crack and goal yeah. with one eye, and I thought that's um, <laughs> that's KB special. Love so her, love her. So Did you love going to the footy in Ballarat? Love it. Obviously, I am a regional person, always have been, except for my small little blip in Melbourne. And so I really love regional footy. I love going down to Kidinia Park. I love when footy comes to Ballarat, AFLM, AFLW, but also all the local leagues play their grand finals at the same ground, and it's just a good ground. It's great size. Everybody was just having an absolute ball. Heaps of families, very passionate fans, but classic AFLW, very respectful. I mean, everyone saw a good game in the sun, had a glorious day. I couldn't believe it. Always a good canteen as well, good tuck shop, good tuck <laughs> shoppery. <laughs> strong canteen game. Strong game. I've fallen in love with, with that Frankston Oval that we that Hawthorne played <laughs> at against West Coast because even though yeah, it was like a 20-goal wind <laughs> advantage to one end, it actually made the game quite exciting because the defensive game had to be so on when yeah. the opponents were kicking with the wind. But food trucks and 
lots of colour movement. Also the water and the sun setting. I think it probably looked pretty good on TV, but it was beautiful to be there. And in fact, after a couple of weeks of watching, I hate to say this test, but watching at Tigerland, football at Punt Road is so hard to watch. The fence is too high for kids. They can't <laughs> yeah. see over it. Yeah, and also too high for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Right. Now nah, we've got some work to do, but it'll, it will be great. It will be great in the end. Yeah, it will be once they've finished the renovations, which will be when <laughs> by the time Patty's playing. <laughs> sorry, playing um. for the for the cats. Um, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean that. I, I just as I lost my children some years ago to the same team. Oh, ironically, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm probably a bit of Schadenfreude there. Um, <laughs> can I mention a low light? I mean, okay, it was a highlight for Collingwood, very much so. It was a great <sighs> win by them. But the Saints-Collingwood game and Nicholas Stevens running into that open goal and I'm not quite sure what happened there because it was a straight kick, metres out, and, yeah, ouch. I Her devastation after that was brutal. Um, she was so upset at the end of the game. It was definitely theirs for the, the taking and the Saints will rue that one for a while. But thanks for all those extra replays to remind us of her, <laughs> her kick. Do you mind? I can never Seriously. quite, we'll never quite understand what that Mm-mm. feels like for no. her. Obviously you can see the pain on her face and there's a QR code on the Herald Sun today so you can re-watch that moment over and over again, which Tess reminded me has actually been done before in the M as well. So mm-hmm. um, there's, yeah, it's a, a bit of, it's a bit of, <laughs> Um, car crash, car crash, footy rewatching. But the only thing that I can liken it to is when you are texting someone you admire or tweeting something, and you use the wrong there or there, <laughs> and it's there forever, it's like, oh, and you no. can't take it back. Like <laughs> I've once been texting someone who I quite admired, and I used the wrong there or there, oh. and then I just went silent. And a couple of months later, they said, "Hey." Well, catch up and I just honestly I just owned it and said <laughs> no to be honest I used the wrong there or there and so I decided we could never be friends <laughs> is I that to go into witness protection is that worse than spelling their name wrong though when you say how much you admire them and then you don't actually spell their name properly how do you know I've also done that <laughs> Um, all right. Um, my highlight was there were some numbers that came out of um, Adelaide and I'm not talking about the score. I'm talking about 20,652 people who showed up for the showdown. Uh, it was <laughs> phenomenal to see that many people and at the same time, obviously, Australia was playing in the Basketball Women's World Cup and so we had these crazy numbers of people turning up to watch women's sport in this one weekend, which is just so great and heartening to see, but Adelaide getting behind both teams. I love seeing that Adelaide Crows uh, cheer squad. They do not quit. They go so hard. We had some queries about how we felt about the trophy for the showdown because it's a plate, and I can only assume it was because ladies bring a plate. Is Do you think that that's why people were offended by it being a plate? Or for me it had shades of Wimbledon, so I was okay with it. Yeah, same. And also plates are quite useful, you know. Mm. So in terms of like if we're going to use it, just say we're going to eventually use these trophies as something, I mean plates can be pre- – food can come on plates and I love food. So I feel like um, there's a fair bit in it for everyone. But, you know, each to their own. I I think the size <laughs> – the, the size, size was also questioned, which was extremely funny. Because it was, it was like a bread, it was a side it was plate. A, it was a toast plate <laughs> it was rather than. plate, yeah, rather than the. Yeah, I, I, look, I didn't mind too much about that. And Adelaide, I don't think, cared too much about what the what the trophy was. They they were absolutely emphatic winners. 
Maybe they're going to do like with the with the um, Stanley Cup where they have to keep adding to it each year, you know, so it just grows each year. It'll get bigger and bigger because they have to keep adding the names. Have you seen the Stanley Cup, the, the ice hockey? So the ice hockey trophy in the NHL, the American Hockey Ice Hockey League, is one trophy that gets handed around. And so it just gets, they have to keep adding the winners to it. So it's getting bigger and bigger. It's very cool. It's and got kind extension. of ridiculous. It had an ensuite, and then it got a walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> Correct. Oh my god! Bring on the twenty fifty showdown. That plate is going to have to get wheelbarrowed right. out. I'm up for that. I yeah, love I it. Just a stack of plates. Just yeah. like yes. stack them all on top of you each other. You get a whole set. Yes, like the whole set. I love it. And by then, the only person will be able to lift it will be Chelsea Randall in those arms. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Are you guys ready to roll up your sleeves to show me your arms and melee? On my jersey. On your jersey. <laughs> One person I did not see at the football. And I wonder if you, I don't know, was Steve Price at your game, Tess? No, nah, didn't see him. Notorious football commentator <laughs> who's had a long-time love of the game for whom <laughs> we, we can't make an opinion on football without hearing from Steve Price. Look, I, it would be hard for anyone listening to this podcast to have walked past his article this week. I'm not even going to talk about what the contents of it was because it was just clickbait. But for the first time ever, I didn't walk past it. I just jumped right in and I, I can't work out why I was feeling so feisty about it. I think I just had a gut full and I thought he's putting it out there. It is mockery. Like I feel like it's mockery. I don't feel like it's legitimate. The Herald Sun has a number of people who report on AFLW. Why on earth? is this man writing opinion pieces on what AFLW does. When you stack that up against what Sarah Black wrote and she wrote a great article about the showdown and she talked about what she saw in the outer, how engaged women and girls and young boys and men are with watching women compete at the highest level that is currently available to us in in football. So many of the KPIs of this game, we've talked about it a lot, are not about the scores and they're not about the results on field. And after the weeks that we've had, and I am referring to what's going on at the Hawthorne Football Club, how anyone could write an article shit canning AFLW when really it is, in terms of triple bottom lines, this is hitting all the targets. And the number of people who are picking up the game and wanting to play this game in states other than Victoria, which is massive, it is a win-win. And so I just it just kind of blew my mind. And I, I get I just get so tired of people like him, for whom he's always had things laid out for him that have looked exactly, you know, he's never been shut out of conversations or opportunities. And and so I was like, this is just, you've got a gaping hole in your argument, even though, you know, you've got more than one. And I found it incredibly frustrating and I bit and I probably shouldn't have, but it made me think about, you know, does he believe that he gets to have this conversation because he's a some kind of custodian of who gets to own sport, of who gets to own opinions on sport? Like why why do you think we keep coming back to this well? Is it just for the is it just for the clicks, do you reckon, Tess? Yes, I do. <laughs> I genuinely do. And part of this story this week, I mean for people who went to our live show or streamed online, this is going to be a bit of a broken record, what I have to say about clickbait media but one thing I can't get over this week and I've been reflecting on this a lot is that we've lived through in the last three years one of the most remarkable times in history it's been a proper game changer on and off the field and I think that if you don't feel different 
to how you felt a couple of years ago, you should ask yourself, why not? If you're not doing things a little bit differently, you should ask yourself, why not? If you're still writing and seeking and paying for rinse and repeat editorials about nothing at all that people don't even really believe the things they're writing, you should ask yourself, why? And I'm in a real phase of just you do you, and I don't have time to fight the Herald Sun for why they want to do clickbait stuff like this because who cares? They can do them and I can do me and I can do me by not clicking it. I can do me by going to the footy every weekend and hanging out with people who are just having a delightful time. I love footy. If it's AFLM, AFLW, like a kick in the park, trying to kick the footy into the bin out the back, like whatever form of footy, I love it. The more the merrier. And if you don't want to watch AFLW, no one makes you. And it's not 1996 where you only have one Channel 2 and one Channel 7 and you're forced to watch, you know, MASH every weekend. Dad, <laughs> I'm looking at you. Um, you've got a world of choices for you. So if you don't like it, I don't care. I'm not going to try and convince Steve Price he should love AFLW. But I do think he is a Tigers fan. And if he had have seen our Tigers the last two weeks, I don't know how he could have come away as a Richmond person not feeling hugely proud of our club. And if you want to spend your limited time on earth bagging things that other people like and that you don't really even care about, whatever. I'm not going to give the paper the satisfaction. It's a business model. So they want you to click on it. They want you to feel cross about it. They want you to tweet about it and they want you to argue with someone about it so that you then click on the next article about it and it's a vicious cycle. Clicks get ads, ads make them money. And if you don't go, I mean, there's a quote in The Simpsons, just don't look. You know, Lisa doesn't look at the monsters and they literally crumble into the ground because no one's paying them any attention. If you don't click on it, they won't write it. And I know sometimes we've got to dig in and fight the fight, but at some point I think we have to make a change. It's like doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If we're going to get cross that someone says something bad about women's footy when I don't actually even care what they think about women's footy, how am I going to break this cycle? I feel bad because I did bite back. So I, um, <laughs> I'm not really saying it's the wrong thing off. to do though because it's a debate. I mean, sometimes you go, sometimes you can't help yourself, right? And if someone says something in real life, I always can't help myself and I have to say something. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not saying there's one. <laughs> you know me. Yeah. You see my eyes. I don't have a very good faking actor's face. I don't have no an actor's poker. face. I'm no, no Daniel Day-Lewis. No poker. No poker. <laughs> uh, my face says it all, all the time. But I don't think it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying what I have to do. I can't mm. engage in it anymore. I've given up. I can't do it anymore. The thing I don't understand is the pathology of the people who then get into my tweet stream mm. and list all the things that they don't like about AFLW. I'm like, I don't turn up in your feed and list all the things I don't like about your industry. I don't understand what that is. Does that drive you balmy, Nicole? I don't even know whether to roll my eyes into the back of my head or just feel embarrassed for the people who were involved in the decision-making who either conceived of the story put their name to it or were the editors who chose it. It's like they went to the bottom drawer of old chestnuts and were like, oh, here's one we haven't used for a few weeks. I mean, what passes as journalism for journalism at the Herald Sun, I, I despair because it's just bloated opinion with literally zero substance. So there's it was just hot air. There was nothing in there. It was effectively a glorified tweet by Bob783967. I mean, it was just expanded into 300 words and I just – find at this point that the you know the Herald Sun continues to give a platform for these sorts of ideas which are so outdated all it is is testament to how outdated the Herald Sun's become and I think it's an insult to their readers because they're assuming they're going to continue to to click on the same story just rehashed with a different 
byline every other week. How do I feel about it? Hmm. I'm going to say embarrassed more than anything that they still think this is journalism. It makes me feel embarrassed when I look at that photo of Gil sitting next to Lachlan Murdoch at the grand final. In my mind, they're now they're sitting there and, and Lachlan Murdoch saying to him, so we're just going to keep um, shit posting about <laughs> AFLW and Gil's like, oh, well, you do you. <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah. what? How how does that conversation go? Like, it just that's what drives me crazy because I know how important the AFL. They don't like it when they get criticised, and they're criticising really half of their. Oh, I don't know. Do you think Gil reads oh. the Herald Sun? <laughs> like, I, oh, mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I do. I actually do, do think Gil reads the Herald Sun. I absolutely do. I think he would know exactly who's writing what when, and mm. um, and maybe it's a testament to the fact that broadcasting, you know, free broadcasting, have your own opinion on whatever. But yeah, ridiculous, Tess. Sometimes I think, and you know, this might just be me playing out all the angles in my brain, but sometimes it's quite helpful as a mark of how far we've come to see things like this get published and to see the reactions from journos at the Herald Sun, from people who cover AFLM from people who work at the AFL house, uh, from the AFL Players Association who are very strong on Twitter condemning the article even being published. And you get a real sense of how society may have moved when things like this are put out there. And if you think about your comment section, um, I kind of think about them as like a Pixar film, like a Pixar cartoon, like moths to a flame. They're just going wherever something is a bit negative. They're negative seekers. They're spending their time on Twitter looking for stuff that they can bag. They're creating accounts to talk about female commentators or female media people and that's the only thing they've ever tweeted about. And have you ever heard anything that's sadder than that? I have never. I think I'm in that crowd yesterday. There's heaps of men, there's heaps of boys, there's heaps of women, there's heaps of girls, there's heaps of people. They're not on Twitter bagging something that they've seen or trying to rewatch a miss kick because they're too busy living their life and engaging in things that bring them happiness and so I just can't I'm like right I've got to just get myself out of that sewer uh which is the comment section and see that stuff because that's a while I mean it's a bit like predicting what the next six editorials are going to be I can look under a tweet and know exactly what's going to be written there it doesn't surprise me I don't feel anything about it I think oh come on Get better material. Get fresher material. Here's an interesting one for you, something that we saw this week that I have i don't think I've ever seen it before. When Essendon announced that they were hiring Brad Scott, B for Bombers, B for Brad, <laughs> you've done us a favour there. <laughs> when that came out, uh, Kevin Sheedy has revealed that he voted against that decision and went against the board and actually publicised that he he was the one that was in there batting for James Heard. I don't think I've ever seen a board member pull themselves out from the pack before and be so vocal about it. Have you ever in your time seen this, Tess? Not that I can remember. I mean, it probably has happened. And sometimes I think it's kind of a good thing. I know this sounds a bit controversial, but when people don't say I was just, they're not anonymous in a pack. They don't just go along Mm -hmm. with whatever they think. They actually say, this is what I think, because you get a sense of reality because football clubs and football boards don't always agree. They do disagree and sometimes they're not one, you know, mindless pack of people who all feel the same. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that board members speak out if they don't agree with something that a board does because down the track I might really respect someone for speaking out. One thing it reminded me and it reminded me a bit of Steve Price was just people who see themselves as their club, rather than in a way lucky to have been involved in a club, a part of a club, a part of a story. And I'm getting the sense that 
I've always thought actually growing up that Kevin Sheedy is Essendon really and I know that's because he was the guy Mm. and they're so synonymous with each other and I feel like maybe he is also now thinking I am Essendon and so I really need to speak up for Essendon and not acknowledging that Essendon changes. Footy clubs change, they evolve and you are only ever a custodian. You know, we're not bigger or better than any of the other parts of of the footy ecosystem. And I said a couple of weeks ago about the James Heard situation that regardless of how Essendon people feel about James Heard because it's their club, so it's their story, they can think whatever they want, it would have been a divisive choice and that club needs to pull itself away from anything divisive. It really needs to bring their fans together. And so even if people thought that James Heard was the right person or he should coach again or however people feel about him, for Essendon right now, I mean, they need something that is going to bring people together. And Kevin Sheedy speaking out against the board is kind of just showing you that that's not where they're currently at. That's what they need to work towards, to be united. I wonder if it is about Kevin Sheedy or these sorts of big personalities believing they're the game or the club or whether there is a a boys club thing, a friendship mate, sticking up for your mate aspect to this one in particular in the James Heard, Kevin Sheedy scenario because of all the hills to die on, really, this is the one. This is the time you have an individual step out. That's kind of disappointing to me, but it does kind of speak to this sort of boys club mateship thing, which I suspect is also part of what's driving some of the individuals who are kind of putting their hand up right now to tell us what a great bloke Alastair Clarkson is or, you know, how warm and kind Chris Fagan is. And and I'm not disputing any of those accounts or the validity of their opinion or even their experience, but I wonder about their motivation and I wonder about the unintended consequences of doing that. And I, And I guess in a world where there are so many things at the moment that probably aren't exactly covering football in glory, that these are the issues that are bringing them forward or these are the cho- the decisions they're making to stick their hand up. I just wonder if their energy and their platform could be better used. Yeah, it's a really good question because I think that we all keep our own moral scoreboard, don't we? We go, well, you didn't speak out. You're speaking out because Wayne Carey had something fall out on the casino table but you didn't speak out you know when other things happened that stays with us and it stays with us for a reason because it's indelibly kind of imprinted on our on our sports brains and it tells us how welcome we are in the game so when you see people sticking a flag in in one set of beliefs but not in another it does feel like it's telling you a lot more about the picture than you've ever you know, got a window into before. Nicole, you've alluded to the Hawthorne report and the ongoing story. I feel like we cannot keep up with the reporting on this now. It is, it's tipping out all over, like it's a magic pudding. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and there's there's more angles and there's more stories dropping from more platforms with people with more scoops every minute of the day. But I, I'm loath to talk about it anymore on this pod today just because I really believe we just have to wait for the investigation to happen. I, it does feel like the, the more that people talk about it, the less fair the whole process is going to be, which is troubling. But we did see a statement from the ABC. Again, Tess, I've never seen this before. And to see them come out and, and really back up Russell Jackson's article this week in a statement. Have you ever seen that before? It's been a a thing in the last couple of years when the ABC has been under such public attacks, but a lot of our Four Corners reporting, a lot of our very senior journalists like Louise Milligan have been backed up by um, the ABC in statements very similar to this. 
Nicole, what did the statement say? So basically it was in response to some what they called misleading public commentary about different aspects of the media who questioned the process of checking with the people involved in the actual story, the, the, the individuals named. What it said was that all three of those people were contacted multiple times by the ABC via email, phone call and text message. Also contacted were the media teams at Hawthorne and the Brisbane Lions and the personal management of one of the individuals. They were provided with all relevant information about the allegations and they were asked detailed and open-ended questions that gave them the opportunity to fully respond to all the allegations. Uh, they received no response initially. They followed The ABC followed up again and still by the time they went to press, there were no, they did not receive any response. However, they did include statements by the clubs when they did eventually come through. So the main point of the whole article was to, to restate that Russell Jackson's reporting has been accurate, fair and ethical. And yeah, I really am impressed and pleased that the ABC did that because that story would have been a really difficult story to manage, I think, at all. And the fact that Russell Jackson did that with, with such uh, integrity is a real statement and a real testament to the sort of journalist he is. Yeah. And I just wanted to add that it is everyone's right to speak to a journalist about their experiences and that that's why that's why good journalism is so important and it can actually change the course of the world and we're seeing that you know with podcasts at the moment across the world and I'm so proud to be a part of a movement like that that can actually change hearts and minds and in some case change outcomes for people who've been you know wrongly convicted or not convicted and so everyone has the right to speak to a journalist and I do see those two I see the reporting and what happened with the initial report that Hawthorne undertook and then people speaking to Russell Jackson I see them as two really separate entities and yes they're about the same topic but that is their call that is that is absolutely fair and reasonable and and there is no I I have no criticism about people wanting to take their story to a really reputable journalist what about that thing that has happened over it's a technology based I guess change that's happened is how often now you'll get sent a message and it's like a screenshot of a text message or something and it's like a chain letter and you get these like messages that said, oh, I don't know how reputable this is, but it came from a pretty good source <laughs> that I know that knows someone who works at whatever and it'll be like just some random random Bob <laughs> 697774 whatever um, who's just written a text message to his mate saying, I heard that James Heard went to the thing and then blah blah you know and and it gets passed around as fact that there's this some oh have you read that message I don't know how much is in it but here it is and it somehow those ones really do my <laughs> nut in because I'm like that could just be on Twitter and we'd all just walk past yeah. it but because it gets into because it's a screenshot I'm like it's official it has gravitas think, yeah because you you are not in the CIA like where <laughs> This is not. This is not like a secret handshake. If you're getting this, it's just on the dark yeah. web. Like some dudes <laughs> just posted it on Facebook. That's all. It makes that me is. happy that you know, no matter how much time has passed, like chain emails are still a thing, <laughs> right? We still find a way to get into these little whispers. You know, did you hear that someone said this? Okay. Do you remember uh, in the wake? And this is a much darker version of that. But in the wake of um, 9/11, where there was 
this woman who found a what you know who, who went to the police because her wallet wallet had been reported missing and told the police that everybody had to leave because there was going to be a bomb and and it was this same story and that she you know wanted them to know because to tell people of her culture or background I don't even remember what it was but she had this this information and it was the same story was transplanted to every shopping center around the country and it was sometimes it was a little old lady and sometimes it was an old man but he was really don't go to Southland don't go today to- <laughs> don't go to Eastland today don't go to Westfield Chatsworth yep. Whatever. Oh my god. The whole no. the whole thing was about, you know, because they gave their back gave her back the wallet that they she wanted to save them from this terrible thing that was gonna happen, but it was just replicated right around the country. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Katie Brennan, and you're listening to the Legends from the Outer Sanctum. So Kate's here a couple of weeks ago brought a new segment to the program, which was, to be honest, I was shocked that it wasn't already a segment and it's called Sad Tweets, to which there have been so many to choose from, but one in particular really tickled me. It was a tweet in response to Marnie Vinyl from The Age, who had posted this AFLPA survey talking about a lack of respect shown to AFLW players and at Rob's XRP had this to bring to the table. Teachers and nurses cop it worse and actually do more for the world. When these players make a difference, then they get paid as they should on a footy field. Thanks, Rob's XRP. Now, two points. I love that in his haste to diminish the experience of AFLW players, he's actually stumbled across a reality that occupations that are dominated by women have to put up with terrible pay and conditions and a lack of respect. (laughs) So really, Rob's XRP is a feminist hero. Secondly, this response from Tiger Hannah Birchall, she wrote, yes, I play AFLW and I am reading this thread on a 14-hour night shift as a paramedic. Then I'm off to training. Incredible insights from Rob, though. Um, get word actually I've just got a text message here and it says that a a source close to the Herald Sun says they're going to get Rob to write an editorial about AFLW (laughs) um, next week so look out for that that sounds legit now someone who probably knows a little bit more about the experiences of AFLW players is Geelong captain Meg McDonald who I saw in action yesterday holding up that back line like a boss here she is talking to our very own Lucy Race. It is always a joy to welcome the captain of Geelong's AFLW team and all-round excellent human to the pod. Hello, Meg McDonald. Hi, Lucy. That's a beautiful intro. Thank you. Very generous. Pleasure to be here, as it is, always. Congratulations on a thrilling win against the dogs on the weekend. Ballarat was looking a picture. Um, Mm. The dogs mounted a furious comeback, putting your cat's defence under pressure. What are those moments like? Yeah, firstly, Ballarat was gorgeous. I mean, we'd been warned about the weather on the way in. I'd heard that it was going to be windy no matter what. And then for a while it said it was going to, we're going to have another wet game. Um, but it really it really turned it on. And um, the sun was shining brightly. And I actually particularly enjoyed my drive down there. It's just some gorgeous country around there through Meredith. Anyway, um, 
And I was loving my time until 10 minutes to go in the match. Uh, <laughs> when they did, yeah, they managed to come back. I mean, look, we know that the Bulldogs are a wonderful team. The Cats certainly know that. We hadn't beaten them until the weekend. Um, and they've got a sort of irrepressible midfield and, you know, they started to really, well, they, I think they were on top out of the middle. And I thought that when we kicked the first goal of the fourth quarter and then had some good passages of play after that, that we might have, we might have been all set, got, got this one in the bag. Um, but such is their nature, they came again. And um, I was certainly, I was certainly ready for the siren at each, like for the last five minutes, I had a little bit of cramp starting to come on. We were copying a lot of entries and I was like, yeah, let's just let's just blow that siren. Um, but proud of the defence and the discipline down back to not give away free kicks in the last um, few minutes and to, to get the win in the end. That was key. The Cats have always been a really great defensive team, but have become much more attacking this season. Has that been a focus? Yeah, certainly. I think as we um, move into our second season under under Dan Lowther, we've certainly tried to add layers to our game. And we, you know, his game style has always tried to look at the strengths of our lists and play to that. And in season six, we were a really good contest team when we tried to take territory to, to sort of limit back half turnovers. And that worked well for us def- defensively, but ultimately you've got to you've got to score to win. So um, we tend or we tried to add that add that layer over preseason. And I think as each each game has gone on within this season seven, um, we've been able to be more dynamic and use our different skills and development of our skills in our list to try and move the ball with a little bit more effectiveness. You're running out games really well. Can you tell us what running coach Anula Costa is bringing to the program? <laughs> Love this question from you. Oh my, I kid you not, she's just walked past me. Sorry, I'm seated in the football <laughs> department, everyone, and Anula's just walked past for our Monday session. Anula was one of the changes before, before season six, and yeah, she's, um, I'm not going to be able to give you her list of um, credits in the athletics world, but she's right up there um, in terms of, you know, she's national coach and has had some wonderful athletes. And I think our FLEA program really looks to see what advantages we could or what gains we could make in the um, SNC space and, you know, to, to make us a good running team, but also to, to limit injuries and increase availability of our list. So we've done a lot of technical work over the past two seasons, pre-season and during season to improve our running proficiency. And I think it's, I think it's paying off in both those respects. I say, so I can talk about all that sort of stuff, but equally, I must say, Anula is just one of the biggest hearted, kindest people you will ever meet, Um, as is her right-hand man, Dom. So Dom Trimboli has been helping us out as well, who's worked at Hawthorne in the past, I believe. So Anula is just fantastic. She has such a holistic approach to care for her athletes. And, you know, it's things like if you're having a tough week, Anula's family has a Sri Lankan restaurant in town. I've had door, I had food dropped on my door the other night. She drops in. Do you need a, do you need a lift home? I think I've got this, this, and this solution to whatever problem you're having. And you know, I think that's just indicative of everyone that's in our program at the moment. But Anula, most of all, and I'm glad to see that you know some of the running stuff's being evident to outsiders as well. Had my um my dad's wife Naomi is a runner herself and she commented on my new technique. And I was like, great, this is great. So it's all, yeah, it's all been really positive. Oh, that's so good to hear. Like the cats have invested in young local talent since first entering the competition. And we're really starting to see that pay off. Everyone's clicking and excelling. Can you tell us a little bit about the growth that you've shepherded through over the last four years? 
Yes, that was certainly the the approach early days, and I was on a few Melburnians to to come down to the Cats and look that that group of players that was drafted in that first year, as you say, were local talent, all were from country Victoria, and, and Geelong was a fantastic fit for them. And to see them develop in their knowledge of the game, their leadership, but also their skill to now be 21, 22-year-olds, I think is to credit for a lot of our upswing this season as, as they continue to gel and improve together. But equally, as that group has developed and, and some that some have moved on, but we've still got the likes of, you know, Nina Morrison and Becky Webster who are forming the core of our, you know, core of our midfield. I think the club's now looking at different avenues to complement them. And we've acquired some fantastic players through trade this season um, and even had players from, you know, from Melbourne come at Brooke Plummer debut last weekend. She's playing really well. And, you know, Zali Friswell, they're, they're from... They're from Melbourne, um, but they've made the move to Geelong. I think as the competition becomes um, more established and, of course, easier for players to make moves based on their um, football aspirations, you know, players have come down to Geelong and are enjoying the lifestyle down here. And Amy McDonald, who's just having such a wonderful season, breaking records left, right and centre. Some of her numbers are right up there at Ed Marinoff and Hatchard levels. What impact does she have on the group? Yeah, I think she's eternally underrated by some is is Amy because you know she doesn't she doesn't do it like everyone else does it necessarily. She's got a really unique spin out of a contest, unique ball dropper. She'd freely admit. Um, so that you know she's been internally recognised for the last few years. She's won our BNF two years in a row, um, and she'll be right up there again this year. Her contest ability is you know second to none, or at least second or third to those two Adelaide girls. So, you know, her ability to win the ball on the inside, but equally she can't be tackled and she's such a good tackler herself. So I think the balance that we're able to achieve now by having players like herself and Georgie go to work on the inside and, and we can trust that contest and it allows us to maintain our structure because if we know those two are getting the job done and we can trust it, then you've got other layers like your Becky Webster's, Nina Zali's on the outside, Michaela Bowen, who are great outside players. So I think we're getting that balance um, increasingly well. It looks like it's been a pretty fun time down at Geelong over the last few weeks and we yeah. did spy you on stage at the Supporters' Day. Can you tell us? <laughs> yeah. A little bit about what grand final day in the men's competition looked like for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was going to be such an exciting week and we we knew that. But I think in the excitement of what was happening in the men's um, in the men's space, you don't want to sort of get ahead of yourself and look to that Saturday when we had a match on Thursday night. So first and foremost, we had a great game against the Saints and I think it was our highest score ever, highest margin error, which I think just allowed us a, a really exciting, enjoyable run up to that to that Saturday. I think a bunch of us were in and around the footy festival on the Friday and then on Saturday. Personally, I went to the club's brunch the Avery at Crown in the morning, walked to the G and then we we're all seated together in the staff bay to watch the game. And I think, you know, the men's performance was just a culmination of, of obviously a fantastic year and a fantastic, whatever it was, 16 wins in a row. And I can't speak enough for the openness of the club post COVID now and the intents to really improve integration and um, it made, I mean, for us, it made enjoying the club's success so much more special because you have, you know, really fantastic relationships with people in the men's program and the men's players along the way. So, you know, and we had a nine-day break, so we were able to enjoy the day, go back, and we had a um, had a party all together in the, in the evening and 
had to then then get back to work on supporters day the next day while the all the men could then continue their celebrations for the week we had to switch back on but that's that's okay you bring up integration there and i wanted to bring up the aflpa's insight and impact report which came out just a week or two ago and that sought feedback from players from all of the men's clubs and aflw teams after season six of aflw there was a number of concerning trends in that report that were identified some of which have been addressed i think in the recent cba but i'm wondering were there any surprises in there for you it was published in a quite quite a busy week, so I've mm-hmm. I've skimmed the report. I think uh, I agree. I think it would be interesting to see to track the changes post new and very positive CBA. I always think it's difficult to when 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 players are surveyed to respond in a way that is balanced between what what we understand equality to be and how individual clubs are tracking at the moment. So if you contextualize the question of integration. Are clubs equal in every way? Well, well, no. But if I speak for Geelong and I speak about that intent and contextualising it in the seventh season of the competition and how the rest of the um, field is tracking, then I can only speak uh, really positively. I think what reports do is, um, you know, they allow you to look across clubs that aren't necessarily, you know, there, there's such discrepancy between clubs at the moment. And I've confident that I speak from a fortunate position of being in a club that's um, committed to improving integration and, you know, doesn't throw around phrases like one club lightly. Um, And I think there have been a number of structural measures put in place at Geelong that really help um, accelerate that, that process. And I don't think it's any surprise or it's certainly not a surprise to us that 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 holistic approach leads to one field success hopefully it's I mean the ultimate on-field success for the men but equally you know we're having a positive season too so um if we can share our experiences like reports like this allow us to do then um you know hopefully that accelerates things for the the whole competition you raise an interesting point because that data is de-identified so we have a, a basically an average of, of people's responses and it's hard to know which clubs are doing really well and which ones aren't. I That's wonder, true. I self-nominated Geelong as one of the good ones. Well, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it sounds like it. But I wonder how can you work together as a cohort to try and bring about, you know, to raise standards for everybody? Big, big question, Lisa. <laughs> Look, I think it's, you know, exposure to each other and opening the floor for conversation is critically important. That's one thing I think we learned off the back of the business three years ago with our previous CBA is that um, the opportunity to sit down and speak with clubs that are having different experiences and not necessarily not necessarily more positive or negative experiences, but what is the difference between a Melbourne-based club and a Perth-based club or, you know, why is Adelaide so successful? How does the regional club differ? What are the challenges um, for GWS, for example? Uh, I think that amid what is also identified in the report, the sort of time constraints on our days and, and our ambitions, it's difficult to allow the space and time to come together and to, and to really listen to each other. But I think what's been so wonderful about the past three years is those conversations have really opened right up and the relationships and openness between the players and from the PA is really increased. So I certainly think that players feel more more heard of, of late and that's been reflected in, you know, our recent CBA. And I think that'll continue as we go into the next one, which may, may well be combined 
you know, that those conversations have to continue to happen. Is that that's something that you talk about to the other players, particularly the um, players in the men's team at Geelong, the CBA? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we're in the initial stages of opening those um, lines of communication. The PA's had a few, you know, we've had some club visits that are, that are joint visits and that's been that's been great. But I think, you know, it goes to the integration piece I was speaking about with enjoying each other's success. The more contact I think you have between the programs, the more our respective lives are understood. And I think that's been a fantastic thing post-COVID. And a number of our players now, our women's players, now work in the club. So seeing seeing everyone day to day has um, really, I think, opened, I'll say conversation again, I'm all about the comms, um, opened those channels. And I think that the more you understand each other, the more that connection grows and the relationships grow, then the more invested you are in each other's um, ambitions. What's it been like playing two seasons in one year? I, yeah, well, I've loved it. I think it's, again, it's probably dependent on what, on what team you play for. Having said that, I haven't heard of a women's player who isn't who isn't all about it and who isn't, you know, hungry for more football. And the opportunity to play 20, if not more, games of football in the one year is, is really positive. At our club, we had an appetite to continue to improve. We had made a number of changes in season six that we wanted to then double down on and really see if we can take to the next level into season seven. So um, we welcomed that opportunity with open arms and as long as there is an adequate understanding of, you know, the repercussions for life outside of football when those demands um, are increased and, and unexpectedly, then I think it's I think it's positive and more footy the better. It's been such a great season so far. I think, you know, we've seen a full 18 teams. There's been some incredibly close games. There have been some blowouts which most people who follow AFLW would expect. Mm -hmm. Sadly, there are some people who will use that to write clickbait articles. Mm -hmm. What would you like those people to know about the positives of the W competition and and the community? Oh, goodness me. Any thoughts? (laughs) My thoughts are always watch the game and and get involved because I'm, again, yet to meet a person who has invested some time and energy and in watching our competition and hasn't come out an, an enormous advocate for for the W space. We are seeing at the at the top ends of the comp the benefit of spending a lot of time together as a group and year on year access to facilities and um, training and resources that means teams that have been able to stay together for now their sixth year seventh season are going to have they're going to have success. As those hours increase for everyone across the competition, that is, you know, the um, improvement will continue to accelerate. And I don't know. I'm trying not to say, did you look at the NRL grand final last night? Because that was a bit of a blowout as well. But that's It can happen in sport. But, you know, I'm playing for a team who's won three games in the past two seasons and really struggled to get the W. And now we're in a great position having won four already this season. So, um, change can happen quickly if you're given the time to improve and develop your skill, which I think is a significant advancement, as I said again, the last CBA and will continue to be going forward. Before I let you go, Meg, I feel like we should at least touch on something that's non-footy. And I know you and I are both fans of the podcast Sentimental Garbage. Oh, My question to you is, who's your favourite, Dolly Alderton or Carolyn O'Donoghue and why? <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so hard. <laughs> you know your old mate, our mate, our mate Julia. 
says it's like trying to choose between. You can't. You can't have one without the other. Having said that, I'm a huge Dolly fan. I love her two books. I think she's about to publish her um, columns. I'm going to buy that one. I just think she's witty. Witty. I, I just love her. Although I just I have an Irish housemate at the moment and Caroline's awesome too. I don't know how many times I've shared that podcast. It's brilliant. It's the best. Well, maybe we'll just we'll just agree to have both. How, who's yours? I'm the same. I can't speak. Yeah, them. you can't have one without the other. No, they just, they go together. Beautiful. Every time one hits you with some emotional intelligence, the other one comes in with some witticism. It's so good. Thank you so much for joining us this week, Meg, and good luck for the rest of the season. Cats are looking good. Thanks, Lucy. Yeah, I hope we continue to improve each week. We should be, we should finish strong. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Lucy Race and Megan McDonald. Gee, I love Megan totally. McDonald. <laughs> really do. Join the club oh, like a lot. She's the captain of our lives, <laughs> isn't she? She's the captain she's of our the lives. captain of our world. If we, if it was Meg and Chelsea. Can you just a team like that? Megan, oh, Megan McDonald and Chelsea Randall. What a combo if we ever saw them. I don't together. know if I'm allowed to say this. Am I allowed to say this? You know how we <laughs> know in the chat group. <laughs> we don't know what you're gonna I'm say. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. And if you have to cut it out, okay, you have to well. cut it out. But how we were talking about people who would play AFL like personalities in a TV miniseries. <laughs> yes. Right? You know the actress who plays Janine in Handmaid's Tale? Yes. She could play Meg McDonald. Without the eye yeah, patch. Right. I'm looking yeah, this up because I, of hair. course, haven't watched The Handmaid's oh. Tale, which is controversial. Oh. Tess. Do you got, do you got yes, it? Yes, yes. Yep. You yep. see it? Yeah, I can see it. And I did offer up Kevin Harrington <laughs> from Sea Change to play Paul Marsh in a movie about the AFLPA. And then there was some conjecture about who would play Gil mm. McLaughlin. We had some um, suggestions. I feel like there was a was there a, there was a guy Pierce in there, which I I, I objected to. There was a Nick right. Cave in there. Now yeah. I had never I thought could that feel before, that. but that was right. I worked. Yeah. That worked for me. Mm. Yeah. So no, I think everyone's wrong yeah. because I think Kyle McLaughlin plays Ooh. Gil McLaughlin, but he could also play Hamish McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> it's really mm, confusing. Mm. Oh, he could do both though. You know those movies where like um, Mike Myers plays all the characters. Yeah, like, like Carl McLaughlin the, like could play both Gil and Hamish and he could also what? play like, I think he could play, what's the <laughs> Luke Beveridge coaching the dogs? And I reckon he could also probably chuck in a Justin Longmuir. No, he's Mark Ruffalo. I was going to say oh. Chopper Reed is absolutely Luke Beveridge. <laughs> Thank you I don't think he's available that. though. <laughs> Does that mean Eric Banner would play him? Yes, there you go. Yes. That's a bit messed up. Which yeah, would be work. hard for him to not play a saint. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Um, Olivia Coleman as Caroline Wilson. Oh, oh yes. Oh, that is a yeah. I love it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I'd I watch Olivia Coleman do anything. Watching Olivia Coleman um, uncover the Essendon saga is a movie that I've never <laughs> thought I wanted before, but I want that. I want that. to see Olivia Coleman's arrow on footy clips. <laughs> Okay, let's get to final business. We could play this game all day long and I sent some lookalikes um, dropping into our socials this week. Um, other business, Nicole, I'm coming to you first. Well, how, how can we go past Lauren Jackson in arguably the greatest comeback in Australian sport, maybe sport ever? Can we go that far? <laughs> She's at 41, returns to play um, second tier basketball at Albury Rodonga Bandits back in April and then plays well enough to qualify to be selected for the Opals in the World Cup, no less. And not to be outdone by just the selection, she certainly wasn't just filling in space. In the bronze medal winning 
uh, game against Canada. She scored 30 points in 20 minutes. So more than just keeping the bench warm. This is after she retired in 2016, just before the Rio Olympics, due to a chronic knee injuries, wasn't actually able to represent the Opals as a result. So making a comeback like this for the World Cup, almost seven years and two children later to international sport, I I mean, I if the, any of our listeners know a better comeback than that one, we'd be happy to hear. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say this is one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, the goatiest goat of all goats. Mm-hmm. There was a great photo of LJ with a bunch of people all wearing the goat masks, and it looked terrifying, <laughs> but also absolute honouring. And I also loved at the end of that game the LJ chant went up, and that, that she got this moment to say farewell mm. to being in the green yeah. and gold. I love LJ and I have loved seeing how much joy she's got out of playing because I don't think it's always been a happy mm. journey and that's the the struggle of being a professional athlete, right? But, gee, we have loved watching her and uh, we just salute you, LJ. You're an absolute goddamn legend and we are so lucky that you are ours. Today the NRL Grand Final will happen. It's Penrith Panthers against the Parramatta Eels. I'm going to come to you for your tips just so <laughs> So, so what are the what are the names again? It's called NRL. Oh, anyway, um, yeah. before the NRL Grand Final, the NRLW Grand Final will be played, and that's the Newcastle Knights versus the Parramatta Eels, which is fantastic um, that they're playing it before the other granny. Mm. I love that. I love how they're breaking the mold. They're doing things pretty, you know, in a new and different, interesting, exciting ways. And um, after watching Offsiders this morning, I was getting pretty excited about some of the players that they were, you know, talking about. And I will get invested. I will watch that not just because of the lure of watching Jimmy Barnes build out working class man or whatever he'll sing before the grand final. But... I can't wait for that in the living room. I, I can't wait. And what about you, Tess? What final business do you A have? A big shout out to friend of the pod, Craig Starsevich and Emma Zilke, absolute legends of the Lions. They have been inducted as live members of the Brisbane Lions, which is just huge and the club put out a beautiful tweet that said that the club wouldn't be where it is without the two of them and that is so true so huge Mm. congratulations to them and good signs really for many many more female life members of footy clubs right around the country bring it on maybe an omen too for the end of the season. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm not going to stop banging on about that. Story. I said a couple of weeks ago Go Brisbane. that um, sometimes your club has to take what you can get. Uh, if Richmond beat Brisbane last week and then Brisbane win the flag, then Richmond have won the flag, in my opinion. <laughs> that means Hawthorne won the grand final, dude, because they won. They beat yeah. Geelong. There should well, be some kind of trophy for that. A take plate, it. Even if it's just a we saucer. Every- I'll take a saucer. <laughs> There should be a you beat the premiers and you didn't finish in the top totally. of top top eight. There um, needs to be more prizes. The top eight. I think Chris Scott said something about like finishing on top of the ladder. You don't get enough of a prize. Maybe we should give them a saucer. Cats, saucers, milk. Like there's something in that. Mm. We should be giving out more yeah. prizes. That's all I'm saying. I know Julia I'm, I'm will medals for all. <laughs> Julia's going to take that to the PA and have a shutdown for sure. Hey, just one final one. I just wanted to make note that um, Minister Annika Wills this week did have a conversation with Patricia Carvalis, really worthwhile catching up on what the Sport Integrity Unit is doing. It's not just in response to what's happening at Hawthorne at the moment, but there has been some developments in the safety in sport department. It's expanded. There is a toll-free number if you are a professional athlete. Um, It's a 1300 number. 
good that it's free if you're a professional woman at the female <laughs> athlete because, <laughs> because, you know, you probably Green. don't have the money to spend. But um, where you can ring up and report anything that's happening to you that it's confidential and you can report what's happening to you in your sport. And it was um, Minister Wells cited the report that came out of Gymnastics Australia as one of the catalysts for this. But, of course, the conversation goes on and on. If you want to look for that chat, we'll drop it in the um, in the show notes as well. It is a really worthwhile one to listen to and just listen to the way that um, I do think we, we touched on it last week that human rights, um, a human rights lens on sport is not just something that we wish for. I think it is being raised in the conversations around boardrooms at the moment and to see Minister Wills taking this up is actually really heartening. So the conversation continues. Thank you to everyone who's been checking in on our welfare this week as well. It has been really tough you know we used to have this conversation when we started the pod how's your relationship with football Hmm. we haven't really checked in on that but it kind of is the backbone of everything that we talk about here and so just wanted to remind you all to put self-care first put twitter away if you have to block steve price Unless you see him at the footy, let us know. <laughs> Make sure you're doing something that makes you happy in sport. Tune into the NRL Grand Final and my money's on the Parramatta Yields. <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm putting it out there. Um, but I think that's all we've got time for today. Anything left, Teddy, Ruxpin or Nicole Hayes? Just a big fat GF go footy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do it. One, two, three, go, go footy. footy! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.